0: The place for talk on the Internet. This is TalkZone.com.
1: TalkZone.com.
0: This is InfoTrack, the weekly show with information you should know. Here's what's happening on this week's show. Antibiotic-resistant germs infect more than 2 million Americans and kill over 100,000 each year. But one expert says you ain't seen nothing yet.
2: There's nothing in the pipeline today that is going
0: to be able to treat bacteria
2: resistant to everything we currently have. We're going to experience a massive increase in the frequency with which we encounter untreatable infections.
0: Then, what would you think of the U.S. government subsidizing news organizations? Before you answer, you'll probably be surprised to learn it's been going on for more than 200 years. There are two facts that people should know. One, that since the founding of the republic, there's been a substantial amount of government funding of the press and two that the level of that funding is declining sharply. Those stories and more are on the way. So stick around for information that matters to you on this edition of InfoTrack. InfoTrack, the weekly show with information you should know. Welcome back to InfoTrack. I'm Roy Mackey. It's said we live in a dangerous world, and when it comes to infectious diseases, it seems to be getting a lot more dangerous. Why is this when we live in an age of modern medicine? InfoTrack's Chris Whitting is here
1: with a look. Chris? Thanks, Roy. Let's welcome Brad Spellberg. He's a medical doctor, and he's the author of Rising Plague, the Global Threat from Deadly Bacteria and Our Dwindling Arsenal to Fight Them. First, doctor, before we talk about microbes, let's look at the big picture. How many people are dying of infections each year, and is this number increasing?
2: Well, it's a great question, and it's difficult to put an exact number on it. The estimate that I put in the book is probably on the order of 300,000 or so per year in the United States. We do have hard numbers on hospital-acquired infections, and we know that the latest data are from the CDC 2 million Americans acquired infections in the hospital. They came into the hospital with a different problem and they got the infection in the hospital. 99,000 of those patients died of those infections.
1: Wow, what is going on? Why are our medicines not working as well?
2: Well, we have right now a convergence of two separate problems, which when you combine them are greater than the sum of their parts. On the one hand, we have skyrocketing rates of antibiotic resistance among bacteria. And that increasing resistance creates a need to have new antibiotics developed so you can treat the bacteria resistant to the stuff you already have. Unfortunately, at the same time resistance is skyrocketing, development of new antibiotics is dying off. It's plummeting to an unbelievable degree. So we are now encountering infections that are literally untreatable with any available
1: antibiotic. So at that point, it's kind of uh, luck of the draw whether they survive or not, I guess.
2: That's right. If that infection occurs in the skin, you've got a good chance of your immune system sending it off. If it's in the blood, if it's in your lungs, you've got a 50-50 chance at best of surviving it.
1: Why has development of new antibiotics ground to a halt? Is that because of liabilities and legal reasons?
2: No, actually, there's two broad categories of reasons why antibiotics are not being developed anymore. The first is economic and the second is regulatory. The primary economic problem is that antibiotics are taken for seven days and then you stop because you're cured of the target disease. And a company is going to make a lot more money selling a drug you have to take every day for the rest of your life, like a blood pressure drug or a cholesterol or dementia or arthritis or even a cancer drug then they're going to make selling a drug you're going to take for seven days and then stop. So the return on investment from sales of antibiotics is simply not competitive with most other drug classes. Added to that economic problem is that for the last five to ten years, for a variety of very arcane, complex statistical reasons, the Food and Drug Administration has been changing the way that it views clinical trials that will lead to antibiotic approval. Such that, one, nobody knows what the standards are anymore, even the FDA doesn't know. And two, it's clear that whatever the standards are, they're much stricter than they used to be. And so companies, even the few that are still trying to develop antibiotics, simply can't get the drugs through the FDA.
1: So because of all those reasons, people just aren't doing the research to develop the new drugs.
2: Yeah, so historically the bulk of research and development for new antibiotic development has actually been done by companies, not by federally funded scientists. As companies have backed out of that, we don't have any increase in federal funding, so basically no one's doing it anymore.
1: How big a factor is the use of antibiotics in livestock in making these germs less resistant?
2: It turns out that by far the majority of antibiotic use in the United States on an annual basis is in livestock, not in humans. So far more antibiotics go into food to promote the growth of livestock than are used to treat patients with lethal infections. There's no question, I think, that when you put that much antibiotic into the environment, it is going to drive resistance rates up. How much you can blame an individual patient's case on that is not entirely clear, but it is clear that whatever the proportion is, the bottom line is we need to control our antibiotic use better. It is time for us to start putting limits on antibiotic use in animal feed.
1: Doctor, if you look ahead 10 years, 20 years, and these trends continue, what do you see? I mean, it would seem like a very high mortality rate.
2: Oh, yeah. We already are looking 5 to 10 years in the future. I can tell you that right now in the pipeline, there's nothing that's going to solve our problem. There's nothing in the pipeline today that is going to be able to treat bacteria resistant to everything we currently have. And that pipeline is a 5 to 10 year lead. So stuff in the pipeline today are going to come out 5 to 10 years from now. So then you ask, well, if that's the case, what are things going to look like in 10 to 20 years? And the answer is very simple. We're going to experience a just a massive increase in the frequency with which we encounter untreatable infections.
1: Do you have advice, or could you say who would be most at risk? Would it be people who are involved in sports or who work outdoors, or what? I mean, how could you steer people away from getting those infections?
2: Well, the hospital is the highest density of those highest resistant bacteria. But let me rephrase the question in the following way. What can your listeners do? And I think there's five things people can do. Number one, wash your hands. It sounds simple, but it's actually the best way you have of protecting yourself from getting these bacteria on your body. Number two, if you have a cold or the flu, don't ask for an antibiotic prescription. They don't work against viruses. And if your doctor wants to give you a prescription, Discuss it with them. Have an open conversation. Do I really need this antibiotic? Is this just a virus or is it actually a bacteria? Number three, live a healthy lifestyle. Again, sounds very simple, but if you eat right, you exercise, you do basic safety stuff like wearing seatbelts, you will decrease the risk of going into the hospital. You can't eliminate that risk because bad things can always happen, but you can decrease the odds that you'll end up in the hospital where the highest density of these resistant organisms are. Number four, I'm surprised constantly at how often I hear patients tell me, Doctor, I feel like you're rushing me out of the hospital. Well, guess what? I am. (laughs) Because when you're in the hospital, that's where you pick up these bugs. The shorter time you spend in the hospital, the less risk you have of getting one of them, and I want you out so you don't get them. So when you're in the hospital, work with your medical team to try to get out of the hospital as soon as this responsibly can be done. Number five, and finally, we need political action. And it's not working talking directly to the politicians. We need the voters to get involved. Go to the website, idsociety.org. That's the Infectious Diseases Society of America's website. There's an advocacy link. Click on that link. Type in your zip code. A preformed letter to your representative based on your zip code will appear. You can modify it however you like and click send. We need the public to get involved.
1: You as a doctor, I would assume, work in a hospital all the time, as do other medical personnel. Is there a high rate of infection among those people?
2: Actually, it turns out not, with a couple of well-publicized exceptions. But the reason is that we know to take precautions. You know, I'm an infection specialist. When I get called in to see a patient, they're already worried there's an infection. I put on the gown, I put on the gloves, if necessary, on the mask. And I go in and see the patient, I'm protected. It's actually the first responders that are at the highest risk. They have to do the initial evaluation. The emergency room, the med tech, the paramedics, the police. They have to do the initial evaluation of people without having any idea what's going on. So doctors and hospitals tend to be fairly protected by the fact that we're forewarned. Forewarned is forearmed.
1: One of the things that I've read in the past, and I'm just wondering if it's true or not, advice to parents is to not be so protective of their kids. Let them go out and play in the dirt and, and outdoors and... They will develop natural immunity that will help them later in life. What's your take on that?
2: You know, there is this theory called the hygiene theory, which is that diseases like asthma, for example, are going up in incidence because we have less exposure to bacteria when we're young, and therefore it screws up our immune system. So, yeah, if you want to go and play out in the dirt, that's fine. Just wash your hands when you're done. Take a bath, take a shower, keep the house clean. So I don't think it's time for people to run for the hills, but people need to live a normal life and take
1: sensible precautions. The book is Rising Plague, the Global Threat from Deadly Bacteria and Our Dwindling Arsenal to Fight Them. The author is Brad Spellberg, M.D. Dr. Spellberg, we want to thank you so much for joining us on InfoTrack.
2: Thank you for having
0: me.
1: And for InfoTrack, I'm Chris Whitting. Up next,
0: your tax dollars supporting commercial news organizations? And is it a good idea? You're sure to learn something straight ahead. There's more InfoTrack coming up. Stay tuned.